0: back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, you're on once again with Chizo. Dr. Supercoach powered by Code, our great partners at Code Sports. With me tonight, I have the man, the myth, the legend, it's Pistol, mate, it's been a long time
1: since I've heard your voice on a podcast with me and I tell you, I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it as well, I'm glad you didn't say it's uh, me again, as JB would say for six times it's in a row.
0: It's Pistol again. <laughs>
1: Uh, Who else would it be? Uh, No, I'm looking forward to podcasting with you as well, Cheeso. I'm sure you've got some gems and and pearls of wisdom to share. I don't, but it's nice of you to think of me that way (laughs) uh, if you've seen my team.
0: Uh, I've got to say, you sound a lot nicer. Have you changed anything in your immediate area?
1: (laughs) My immediate area? Um, Nope, I haven't. All right. Uh, Thank you for noticing. I, I, I was... You don't want to tell the whole
0: community about the uh, the house party, the housewarming? <laughs> uh, you don't you don't want it to be gate
1: crashed? No, I'm still setting up. So if there's a little bit of an echo, the room is completely bare with a desk. So I'm sure there's going to be echoing. So I apologize in advance. If, if someone in Slack actually has
0: a pair of Corey, uh, Corey Worthington's glasses that we can get for Pistol for uh, uh, the follow-up... Um, Uh, interview on on live news that the following morning after we trash his place uh get in touch with me uh pistol i've kind of forgotten how to podcast i haven't been on them i've I've been exclusively removed from the monday podcast because of how poorly i've been going this year and i i have to say i totally agree with that sentiment from jb he's the executive decision maker um we do have some uh, housekeeping um Two more subscribers to the uh, Dr. Supercoach Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Supercoach. We've got Goffy and The Lant. Um, thank you for signing up, guys, and uh, Goffey for jumping straight into Slack and asking questions. That's been fantastic. Pistol, we finally fixed the spreadsheet and got some uh, prize league information for the month of
1: April. Are you going to ask me how my week went? Or no, <laughs> what's no, <happening>? here? no. <laughs> I guess we're just... All right. No one cares how I'm going anymore. I see how no, it is. That's because fine. You, I'm I'm not talking about you beating me in Rivalry League, mate. That's not that's not what's happening. Okay. I, I didn't do that well. Really, pretty average week. I'm slowly... I'm, wow. I'm moving up at 1, How, do, how well spots. did I do then? Jeez. Not that well just either. Just getting slated. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I've am i got the world's slowest rise where I'm moving like a mm. 1,000 spots at a time but from very far back. So... Look, fortunately, there's uh, still quite a few rounds to go, so at this rate, I'll uh, still not do very well. But you know, it <laughs> is what it is. At 18k, um, hopefully, the buyers will be my saviour, which I'm hoping for this season. Oh yeah, I scored like two, three, thirty-ish, two, three, twenty-eight. There we go. Nice flex. I didn't yep. score that. It was um, flex. It wasn't. It's not like a great <laughs> score. 24k <laughs> round rank. Flex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, prize league, mate. Come on. We've, we've been building this up for four weeks that we're going to have it next week. And we've finally got it.
1: I have got the prize league winner for the month of um, April. April. That's it. Thank you. April. <laughs> um, the winner who averaged 23.48 and a quarter um, over the month was the better Regan DRSE. Um so, yeah, Riley, if you could reach out to Chizzo to collect your prize, that would yeah. be awesome. Congratulations. Um, we had the runner up scoring um nine three six three, which was 30 points behind first place and only 12 points ahead of third, which was both uh, Hammer Tank's uh, coach Brett and Gwensa Crow. Chris in third place for the month. Cheezo, for the lucky dip draw, could you pick a number between 1 and 117 for me? Uh,
0: 43. Who's a good 43?
1: I don't even know. Who 43 is... Kuda. Uh, rubber Neckers, Stephen, if you could reach out to Cheezo as well. We can uh, hook you up with your lucky dip prize for this month, that, which That's is Rubber Neckers
0: or Rubbing Neckers? No,
1: it's uh, Rubber Neckers. Cool. <laughs> I think how do you think there's a team with rubbing neckers and rubber neckers and they could well, they're both in the rivalry league group <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I don't know which one of us won the prize <laughs> I just want I just want it clarified. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, I think we've got the clarity. There's officially
0: so. no teams with rubbing as their first name uh, on the Supercoach website as far as I can tell. There might um, be a reason for that, Cheeso. Now, you've <laughs> stuck me with the Cancer Council, so you could go and take a break. Um we've had some Oh, do I want what to say want. <laughs> I, I want to say that we've had a challenge pistol we had the slack vets come up big to get us across Huge. the uh, the 20k mark last week and I'm going to tell you now we are within striking distance maybe one or two donations away from hitting 22k we've gone up what's nearly 4k or three I can't do math Clearly. in the last last fortnight uh, and we do have a lot of donations so we'll put some timestamps for those <laughs> that do want to get to the supercoach content but We'll start off with a donation from Dr. Supercoach himself, Pistol. Thank you all for your amazing, uh, of our amazing community members that have helped us raise over 20K for the Cancer Council since, since inception. We are truly humbled by your generosity from our community and we will always appreciate your support. Making positive change for other people is why we started this podcast and being able to carry those values over to Donate for Donuts is something that we're incredibly proud to do. Um, and thanks for the bottom From the bottom of our hearts, JB, Pistol, and Cheezo.
1: Yeah, thanks very much for your donation, guys. Um, I really appreciate it. It all goes to a great cause.
0: Yeah. Anonymous says, Donation for bet with Meso on my P-hearted DeLong football club versus Saints fire. Chris Scott, how can you have two of the most dominant forwards in the game and not create a game plan that constantly scores over 100 points a game? Agreed. Uh, Tim Chief, No reason other than cancer has impacted my life and the cause is real. Thank you for your donation. Anonymous donated with... Missed the opportunity to leave us a message, Anonymous. Uh, Logan Costa, Young Bucks Rally. And this is what we're getting to, Pistol. This is I like... you're going to have
1: to explain... The, explain you know, I'm just going to explain the Young Bucks Rally. You go. Basically, big thanks um, to Azza and Duke in our Slack chat, who basically threw down the gauntlet um, in response to the Slack Vets' uh, massive donation. And they said, well, you know what? Um, we're going to rally all of the Young Bucks... That's why it's your hashtag Young Bucks rally to try and at least beat or match or beat the Slack veterans' donation. So it was a call to arms, and it has definitely been um, called. <laughs> and now we have a lot of donations to read through, and we're very grateful for it. And it's been a, a fantastic rally.
0: Yeah, this is like if you're between thirty and forty years old, you'll know when Young Buck got kicked out of G Unit. It was like when he dissed him back. This this is the Young Buck rally. Uh, we've then got Nock who uh, uh, he actually kind of rifled around inside of the pram and found uh, some donation. Thanks, Nock. Uh, Young Bucks Rally Ripping Work, lads. Bainsey, proud to be part of such an amazing group of people. My mum is currently going through ovarian cancer and the prognosis isn't great. Glad, uh, But really glad to be around such supportive people. Uh, all the Sorry best that, going Bainsey, out to your yeah. mum as well, Bainsey. Thank you for donating. Uh, Anonymous says, great work, lads. Hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Chris Slater, Slatsy, Young Bucks Rally, plus finally coughing up a donate for dumb things for not trading out Whitfield sooner. Uh, I feel like Pistol needs to do that as well. Uh, Flash says, hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Chowd's, hashtag Young Bucks Rally. We've got a Young young Buck Rally going on. Uh, Kentucky Fried, awesome job, legends. Thanks for your donation. Andrew Wedge, hashtag in capitals. This is okay, Young Bucks Rally. we got got uh, Noah Blake O'Connor. <laughs> I'm not. I think you're too young. I don't think you can at that age. You're allowed to donate, but hashtag uh, Young Bucks Rally. Much love, the youngest Slack member. Uh, we've got Benjamin Doyle. Potato. Don't like cancer. Don't like paying tax. Also, some done some many dumb things this season. Vervain hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Jason Prattley hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Thank you for your donation. Uh, Random Hoss Hashtag Young Bucks Rally Proud to be part of a group Who is doing such amazing things for a good cause My dad is currently going through his own cancer battle So it really warms the heart To see so many people making generous donations And shout out to your dad And his journey there Random Hoss Thank you for your donation Webdog and Dimisty Both hashtag Young Bucks Rally We've got Duffer Donating for years of dumb things, and Wushka's incredible poem, Not Quite a Young Buck, so instead of joining the hashtag YoungBucksRally, I'll be donating up, donating up front and hoping some other young buck ish lads can jump on too. has forgot about McRae, hashtag YoungBucksRally. Mate currently has a Hickman line in, F this disease. Thank you for your donations, very generous. Uh, we've got Duke, hashtag YoungBucksRally, just to change it up. Good stuff slash Azza and
1: Coombe. You know what? (laughs) Thanks, Duke. I've shouted out Duke for coming up with the idea when it was Azza and Coombe, and I've suddenly realized because of Duke's message. So it's come full (laughs) circle here. Um, But sorry about that, Coombe. I do really appreciate it. I've just uh, gotten confused by the message. We've got Smitty, Diane Kent, and Jay,
0: Debracat, Cat, and Cheezo. Oh, no, woefully inept. Uh, sorry, I, I mistake that with my name sometimes. <laughs> They're all hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Thank you for your donation. Finn Parker, hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Thank you for creating this amazing community with uh, the pot risk to achieve so much good, both for my Supercoach rank and more importantly, for people who are doing it tough. Thanks, Finn. Uh, Dave Phillips, somehow didn't have Hayes as emergency and a cool donut with Pruce out. Idiot. Donate for dumb things. Alex Zamet, pledge between Finn and I. Every point Oliver scored more than Macca, I had to donate a dollar towards. Fortunately, Macca had a minus six final quarter, so the donation was quite high. Cheers, mate. Butler, uh, donate for dumb things. I went to put the C on Neil and realized I'd left on Pruce, and the GWS game had started VC on McCrae locked in. So he gains uh,
1: points from that. By the looks of it. That is by unreal. the looks of
0: it. Uh, and then he's also donated again, says, or oh, maybe not so dumb, haha, ha, see below. <laughs> 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 oh, I get it. He says, uh, here's a donate for dumb things for prematurely donating for a dumb thing that wasn't actually dumb. So he's That's donated hilarious. twice for that. Thanks, Butler. Uh, Whitey, Herdy's Heroes. So this is for starting McGovern over Brody at the start of the year. Bruce Donut and for deciding to take Roses as 50, which meant having to get Clark's score rather than Rioli or McComb. Oh, throw in trading cogs, wowzers! What a week! Uh, we're getting right to the end here, guys. We've got Delwyn Johns. Dumb things took C off Oliver to loophole. McCray score after he was on fire in the third was out of the house and lost both cashy max up as a result. Oh that's no, rough. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, Gloran, Proust, donut, and still scored twenty four fifty. Bang! Uh, tried to walk a tightrope between trading out Jackson last week and waiting for Cameron DPP to cover. Have S Hayes at R two, Stiffy at R three. Uh, Chris Moy, uh, because I looped into Conning's 85 because I was too gutless to leave Darcy Cameron on the field and Cox coming up and in against Sean Darcy and he scores 130 on the bench. (laughs) And our final donation, and thank you to everyone that has donated. You're all absolutely amazing. Shaggy97, accidentally didn't have the Eon Hayes to cover Proust, so I traded Proust to Jameson losing my last boost. 537K in the bank though. Thank you to everyone that has stuck through and helped raise incredible amount of money for the Cancer Council through Donate for Dumb Things and part of Dr. Supercoach. We absolutely love you all, and I love the hashtag Young Bucks Rally. Um, they're almost even with the Slack Vets pistol.
1: This it's is close. coming down
0: to the wire. It's and, uh, a, a, interesting only a to couple, see what happens from here.
1: Only a couple hundred dollars difference now between them. So the rally, I would say, was a very successful rebound, and it's going to come down to the wire. I believe they've got till the end of the month. To, to match the tally. So, um, <laughs> you just made that up. <laughs> no, no, that's that's the plan. So, it's I'm looking forward to seeing Ooh. if you know it's going to be neck and neck. Who gets over the line? Yeah, rubber neckers. All
0: right, <laughs> that's done the the housekeeping <laughs> pistol. We're going to jump into su- some super coach now. We've got the big decision that we need to talk about, um, and that's two doggies players that are. I Don't want to go out on a limb and say they're guaranteed to get DPP, but they're more likely than unlikely. And that's Bailey Smith versus Marcus Bontempelli, the Basby Bont scenario. Um, I want you to talk to me about your thoughts about who you might be selecting and how, you know, we talked about in previous weeks that we should be potentially holding off upgrading our forward lines to allow for these kind of guys to have spots left to fill. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're in this position that we're only one week away and we can pick them up next week. Um, we have the opportunity to go one week early, being confident enough that they're going to get it, and we now kind of have to pick between the two um, going into this week. I want you to break down your discussion, knowing who they play this week as well.
1: Yeah, so I guess the big one here is that they play West Coast, which is points that are just available, and I have no doubt that both of them will go relatively large. Um, I think the key thing here is... Twofold. One, the breakevens you have to look at them. Um, Bailey Smith at the moment is 552K, and he has a break-even of 65, and Bontempelli is 587K, with a break-even of 91, which is obviously higher. Um, but as well, you would expect Bontempelli to kind of have a higher ceiling than, than Baz as well, so you might get priced out um, if Bontempelli scores large against West Coast. I think the key thing, Chizo is... To look at your forward lines and think, okay, how many spots realistically do I have left? Personally, I'm looking at my side. I see Dunkley, I see Parker, I see Will Brody, and I see Butters. And I'm like, well, I only really have two spots left, unless I'm trading Brody, who, in his current vein of form, I can't find a reason to trade him. He's our out number of my one side. forward right now. He's unbelievable. I can't really trade him with a three-round average of 126. Um, and Butters back to back. Good tons as well, and looking better. I, oh. I, think, I think you just it, know we had to stop JB getting on tonight's podcast because he was gonna he was gonna go on a rant. <laughs> I could feel it. I, to credit to JB, he said, "Let's give it North Melbourne. Let's see how he looks. If he looks decent, then we'll keep him. And if he looks bad, we'll trade him." Which is very reasonable. And he looks yeah. decent, and then he's putting back to back decent performances. So in this situation, I'm looking at my side as if I only have two forward slots left to fill with. Three, potentially, well, I'd say almost likely. Uh, According to Bryce Mitchell, I think Bontempele needs to spend like 1% forward in the next game and Baz like 3% forward. So I'd say it's like 99.9% locked that they'll both get forward status. I'm looking at this, two spots, those two guys, but Tim English was averaging 121 before his injury and flu. So which two do you get? I think that's the big question. The, The ruck cover that English provides... It's super valuable in the back half of the season, as well as him genuinely averaging 120 plus is just out of this world. So I feel like for me that's a really high priority, which then just leaves one spot left. If I'm picking between Bontempelli and Baz, I mean it's it's got to be Bontempelli right? There's, there's every chance that Bontempelli goes on the tear of like 140 plus scores for like four weeks in a row, and you just he gets to some stupid price, and you just can't afford him. Whereas, as much as Baz is a highly volatile player, and of course he could go, you know, like a 180, he's also relatively equal chance of scoring in you know the 80s um, and keeping his price much lower. So for me, it would make sense to get Bontempelli, save a spot for English depending on how he looks, and then if he's, you know, completely broken, we can bring in Baz, and if not, we can just reassess Butters as we go, and there'll be a point in time where I might have, you know, an extra 60k lying around, and the price gap is 60k, and I'm like, ah, look, Butters isn't living up to the hype, or maybe he is living up to the hype, or Brody gets impacted heavily by Fife, and then I'll make the trade, um, to collect Baz, and I think that's kind of how I would approach the situation and I think many people are in a similar spot where they already have like a Heaney or something so they only have, you know, one or two spots available. Chizu, the conversation is a little different if you only have one spot left. Um, if you only had one spot left, who would you be filling that with? It's a great question. Can
0: I just backtrack for a second?
1: Yeah, please do. There's a lot of um, talking.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. It it, it really set, like who do you have R two right now? Your what's your R two, R three, or just your ruck structure in general?
1: Gorn, Proust, and Hayes at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so it, Hayes will be the cash cow in, in the situation and I'll eventually ditch him to a non playing one oh two ruck forward to, to provide me with the, the switcheroo abilities with English in the forward line. Yeah. And you're
0: confident holding Proust for the remainder of the
1: year? Pretty he hasn't dropped under a ton. Now, Gorn hasn't scored over a ton in the last three weeks, so if I'm yeah. looking at recent form here, there's no reason for me you know, looking to upgrade Proust anywhere. So he, yeah. he's staying for the short term, probably long term. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let me throw something at you. If you've got Gorn, Hayes, and Dixon like I do in the ruck line, are you still prioritizing English as a forward or can you see Merit and ha- like having great him at question. R2 and then using the the final forward slot this is this is like a roundabout way of getting to your the answer of your question because we're in a slightly different scenario if i only had one slot in there but i had the potential to have english at r2 does that change your thinking at all because i like obviously i think if english looks good this week um i, I don't think i'd get english straight off his uh reported pneumonia and flu and all that kind of stuff plus a hammy you know like I just, I, there's all sorts of things they could do with him and, and ease him back into it. Um, and I kind of want to have one week's, at least one week's worth of data just to get the eye test out and see how he's looking before I commit to that. Um, and that could mean if you've only got one slot and you want to use English on it, you don't get any of those three
1: this week if that's that's the priority. It's, that's a great question. I think there's definitely a world where English outscores Proust for the remainder of the season and... For your situation, then English would make a lot of sense at that R two slot. However, I think more people would be in the situation where they have they have a Bruce Hayes combo as R one and R two, and then they're yeah. really now you're asking them to pick an R two between Gorn and English. And yeah, yeah. To be honest, Chizo, <laughs> if we're looking at current scoring, it's a slam dunk. <laughs> if we're looking at current scoring, it's hard to it's hard to say. You know, if if English comes back with his one twenty plus ways. Yeah. It's hard yep. to argue that Gorn is going to be a better pick. That's true. So He had his
0: legs snapped off a month ago and they've just been babysitting him. Uh,
1: you, you never want to read too much into it. And we know Gorn's got the pedigree that he could, he could put out 120 easily on his day. But, I mean, we've already seen English for the first, you know, five, six rounds, putting out 120 pluses for fun. Um, yeah. I, we just, I think the big thing is we don't know what English we're going to get back back. Um, after that layoff, it's been a while. I mean, the pro to him having an extended layoff after his hammy injury is that he's now like, like he was fit in terms of that injury and then he got pneumonia, but it's given him more recovery time for that hammy. And I think there's like, what is it? You've got a higher chance of the reoccurring injury in the first month back into professional sport. And he hasn't really had to like work that that soft tissue, you know, um, harder and harder. Um, because he hasn't been playing. So he's had more recovery time. So I feel like quite good about that. But then, you know, if he comes back and they want to potentially play him with Sweet or with Martin, just to like, you know, or or play him with really low time on ground, just because he's been out of the game for a while. I mean, if you've gone out for two months, Chizzo, this could be like a month-long recovery for English in the AFL. Like, we might not be wanting to bring him in until after the buys. Yeah, that's
0: sort of what I'm worried about. And so does the question become get Bont this week over English and then, you know, you've got him locked in and it's like, oh, I've missed out on English, but I have the potential to get him in my ruck line if something goes wrong. Yeah. Or do you take the chance on having a look at English, finding out he's not that great, and then suddenly Bont's now 600K and you're like, oh, it's getting a bit hard to find the cash to get him in.
1: Yeah, I, it's, it's hard, but I, I feel like Bont is if you're going to get 110 plus in your forward line, I don't think you're going to be up to upset either way. I mean, I guess you'll be yeah. upset if someone's going 120. Um, yeah. yeah. One is just really good. And yeah. I, I've, I feel safer locking that in. And if things go wrong, then I can get Baz. Whereas if I'm, if I'm picking Baz, cause he's got a lower break even, which I understand, you know, value wise, that's better. Um, yeah. But then I'm potentially ruled out of getting Bontempelli and, and that, doesn't feel like a great yeah, yeah. thing for me like I think yeah I'd have to be planning to trade Brody or planning to trade Butters and at least in my personal situation it's not something that I'm like saying right now I am a hundred percent committed to doing that I, I, I don't feel that way so everyone has different teams and you'll have to make your own judgment call there but certainly if you're p- picking between the two of them this week if you're planning on getting both then I would probably look to get Baz I think just playing the break even game but if you're you know you want one and you're not sure out of Baz or or English which one to get then I think I would just get Bonson Paley lock it in and then just have a look at English have a look at Baz and see you know pick them off when the time's right then after that
0: yeah so if I'm reading things correctly
1: it sounds like um,
0: whether you've got one spot left or two spots in your forward line and no chance of an R2, the two that you would be prioritizing first off would be Bont for, for the first position because um, you can pick him up with that safety and not having to kind of use the eye test to see if he's any good. Um, and English would be a very close second. Yep. And we're not certainly not saying that Baz is bad. He's averaging 112.2 this year. It's unreal. But <laughs> it, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and to get that in your forward line. However, the, that really kind of makes sense for someone like me that has left F5 and F6 open specifically for Baz and Bon because I've already got R2. Well, R1 basically open for English to match up with Gorn when the time is right.
1: It's an interesting one, Chizo. It's it's I, I feel like lucky we stopped upgrading in the forward line because if yes. I had gone yep. an extra player deep and I was like, look, I've I've got, I don't know, Heaney and Parker and stuff like Baz as like we're saying the third best option is still like ten points a game better than Heaney. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a big uh, it's a big advantage if you're able to get all of them, or let alone even two of them. I, I feel like that's a big advantage over some of the competition that might only be able to get in one of them. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I I totally agree. And and talking about like. Um, seeing this a few weeks ago, like probably the one things that I've been happy with is in round nine and round 10, I did two upgrades and they were both in defense. And when I had the opportunity to upgrade in the forward line, it was specifically be forecasting that that, that we may have some options. And I remember you and I, or maybe it was you and uh, JB and I were talking earlier on in the season about, you know, should we should we kind of really plan for like some mysterious DPP happening in the middle of year? And we said that, you know, the vast majority of big DPPs happen at round five. Mm.
1: Um,
0: I, I, Yeah. There's, there's going to be some people that have no boosts left and they're going to be kind of struggling to kind of work around this. So I feel like good in that sense that I've, I've left myself opportunities and that's going to be good for a head to head, but certainly, um, it hasn't helped the ranking sort of playing the patient game in, in that sort of respect so I may finish with a better final side but
1: that's yeah So really only yeah with, head to head with this one though Chizo, I'll throw it to yep. you because um, yep. I'm noticing a lot of people asking a very similar question where mm-hmm. they say hey I can get belly this week as my M8 before he yeah. gets the DPP but then I have to yes. bench Greg Clark and instead I'll have to play a rookie like a Rioli or a Rosas or something at F6 this week and then the question is you know, do I just get Bont before the West Coast game or do I just wait so that I can swing him straight into the forward line next week?
0: It's a good question. I think for me premiums always are prioritised um, over a rookie. I mean, yeah. We 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 certainly got the recency bias of, you know, the 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 105 or 108 that he scored in round one. And that was like, he had a wicked role. Um, this Who are we talking about? Greg Clark, sorry. Okay. Yeah, Greg yep. Clark. Yeah, yeah, okay. had, I think it was Kamish that has given us a, a reading for not saying names. Um, sorry, I forgot that wrong. But yeah, I, I think...
1: <laughs> I think it was know, Duke. Th- no, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I would prioritise the premium that you want in your final side over one week of maybe thirty points difference. You know, like uh, I didn't necessarily think that Clark had an amazing role, um, and I, I still think he's going to do well. I still think he's going to get generate cash. I probably don't. I probably don't see like the huge upside that we saw after round one, um, and for that reason, I'm sort of seeing him just like any other rookie. You're going to be playing a bit of cat and mouse with the likes of, say, Roses and Rioli if they're your forward bench. Um, yeah. you, you are going to be playing some you know, some match-ups and, and what the fixture's like and what the weather's like and that kind of thing. But I would still be getting the likes of Bond over... I would be prioritising getting him in my side and having him as opposed to bartering over 30 points difference between
1: a Greg Clark versus a, a Rioli or a Roses. Mm. Nope, I I agree. I'm, I'm all in on getting Bond. I'm doing that exact thing, having to play a rookie on the forward line. I mean, with some DPP magic, you can kind of get the uh, McCartan swing into the forward line instead of having to field one of those poor scoring people. But i um, yeah. certainly with you there. Um, Chizo, I'm going to just move on to a next quick topic um, that I want to talk about. GWS, Canelio, the whole... I guess, drama surrounding that, the laid outs with Ash and Taranto and Bruce. Do you have general thoughts on, maybe if if we could call it traders' regret for those Canelio owners, I think a lot of people are upset about it, or just general thoughts on how you see the GWS side moving forward and their midfield time and splits and good call to trade him, bad call to trade him. Uh, Sorry, I'm just throwing every GWS question at you in one go. Yep. Yeah, I think this has many parallels to life, Pistol.
0: You can't <laughs> hold regret on decisions that you can't change. That I, I honestly, honestly believe that. And if you weighed everything up and you... you Like, when you traded Cornelio this week, you knew they were having a new coach. You knew that there was the potential that he would suddenly be an inside mid again and he wasn't going to get that stupid half-forward role that um, Leon Cameron has wanted him to play for six years. We knew that they were possibilities. Um, we had to take. It's one of those situations where we just had to trust our gut. And unfortunately, he scored well this week. He also played against West Coast Eagles. You know, yeah. so
1: yeah. it's the, funny. It's funny because you say, you know, in one breath, it was. Look, we knew this. We knew that. But the thing, I guess, we didn't know. At least when we podcast, so we knew closer to the time was that yep. there was going to be like mass late outs and changes.
0: Yeah. See, I was getting to that before you jumped in. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Keep going. No, no. I, I appreciate um, the the, <laughs> the call, the shout out, and being being told when to step back, back so in your you box for it. Yeah.
0: Um. So, firstly, what's that one forty on a normal day, not versing the Eagles, um which I think has been 60 years since the team has taken until round 10 to score 500 points, not including the, the shortened 2020 year. A um, shout-out to uh, Swamp on Twitter. I'm not sure what that score might be. you then got to ask yourself a second question, what impacted Lockie Ash, who gets a lot of centre bounce rotations uh, on a normal week playing that sort of tagging role? Uh, Taranto also being laid out with that back. I don't...
2: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
0: I think he was in HS. Bruce um, not being there doesn't seem to have affected him because Flynn was just dishing it down his throat, and they don't have an amazing Ruckman at the Eagles at the moment, missing Nick Nat. And on top of that, Pistol, you've got to also ask yourself. A lot of us are picking between Butters and Canelio as what we kind of think that F six spot was gonna be, because we do wanna get some of these Bulldogs players in. And so if at the end of the day, if I've cashed in Canelio at the top price, or what what was his top price at the time, before a Big Break even playing the game as anyone else would, you take the name Canelio away and you look at that price, you look at that break-even, and the complete unknown of the, the the role that he is going to play going forward and you have to make a call, you can't have regret on that. If I end up with Bont instead of Canelio, I'm happy that I'm getting 115 forward instead of you know 100 to maybe 105 if everything goes well forward. I think having traders' regret... It's, it's a spilled milk scenario for
1: me you can't do anything about it so just mop it up and move on very interesting I'm going to take some of my own questions um, yep. with some answers especially just want to talk a bit more in depth about the GWS midfield splits I yeah. personally have a vested interest in it because I have Tom Green um, so I watch the GWS games quite closely as a, I guess somewhat of a POD on many of my colleagues <laughs> Um this game was very interesting because it threw some people into the mix for the midfield rotations that hadn't had any midfield time before um, Harry Perryman had 51 percent CBAs which is basically going good for a wingman for for GWS that's going zero to a 100 real quick getting 51 percent CBAs We also saw Toby Green who was averaging um, you know one CBA a game since his return jump into 22% CBAs which again very interesting um Zach Sproul or I guess Rucks and we won't really talk about that Stephen Cornelio had 59% which was equal with his round one CBAs it's funny because online people were saying he had 22 CBAs and you kind of think oh that must have been you know 100% midfield time or something but yeah 59% not here nor there to be honest with you um Tanner Brown had 38%. He had, I mean, he didn't play for the last three weeks, but that's about what he was averaging um, earlier that, in the he's season. Before that, getting midfield time. Callum Ward didn't get any midfield time for the first time since round three, so he kind of got pushed out of the midfield rotation. I believe that could be something that is the same moving onwards. I think he'll be completely pushed out of the midfield rotation. Um, and Josh Kelly had 65%, his second highest CBA's. For the whole season, ten percent more than he was, you know, averaging previous to that. It's very possible. Oh, I should mention Tom Green had fifty-seven, so he was actually down back to his lowest CBA since round two. So, and and what's uh, what's Ash and Toronto's usual average say over the last three weeks? So Toronto in the last three had an uptick from about forty-seven to about fifty-six percent CBAs, and Ash last three was absolutely hogging the midfield. He was the highest CBA mid for gws with you know high 70 percent so i'm not sure exactly what the split is going to be next round because i feel like ash and perryman are kind of not a like for like but i wouldn't be surprised to see perryman be removed from the mid for ash but then on the other hand perryman was almost if not best on ground so there's real potential that they just leave him in there. So that that gives me a couple of question marks and concerns. One, I have strong concerns over Tom Green and his scoring potential for the back half of the year because I think he's some of this midfield time is now lost permanently rather than him just having a dip in CBAs. So, you know, warning signs over that one and, and keep a watch on that. And two, 65 for Kelly as... Um, I guess the highest split is not very high and we're still going to be introducing Ash back into the side and Taranto I I think this is going to be where we're complaining about Leon Cameron splitting the midfield time there's real potential here that this midfield time is split so badly <laughs> like a real, real mess moving forward I mean, we're just taking a, a, a stab at this I guess, we won't know until next week but I, I'm not I wouldn't be sitting here saying <laughs> Cornelio is a genuine jet and is gonna average a hundred plus for the rest of the season. He's definitely gonna get midfield time. And midfield time can evaporate as quickly as it came and I wouldn't flinch. There's there's too much going on in this GWS side at the moment. And uh as you said, they only beat up West Coast, so it's too hard to get a, a true, you know, judge on it. Of course, people would like the 140 in their side. Uh, I can understand that, but at the end of the day, if you've now held him and he stinks for the next couple of weeks, it's not going to look pretty, especially if he puts out you know a sub-50 score again. So Wait. we'll have to see how that goes. And I think now with Baz and Bont locks for getting forward status, uh, there's no way people are holding Canelio anyway for the whole season. So he's going to be a trade up yeah. regardless.
0: Yeah, and if I can contrast something just in the the way that teams play, I guess. And and this is this is going to be not a true comparison because the the player like profiles that each team have. Uh, but we'll go through GWS of the players that they run through the midfield. They got Tom Green, Josh Kelly, Tim Taranto, Lockie Ash, Callum Ward, Tanner Bruin, Stephen Canelio, and now Harry Perriman's having fifty one. And Toby Green had uh, occasionally goes in here twenty this week. So that's like eight or nine players that have genuine midfield like capabilities yeah. and like an argument to being in there, yeah. and then you compare that to a team like Carlton that have Cripps, Hewitt, Chera, Kennedy, Walsh. They obviously don't have the depth in the midfield that um, the one-dimensional inside inside players that GWS have, but just there, there's you don't have like you don't have the surety that you know that your player from week to week to week to week to week is going to have the same thing like you do with someone like a Hewitt or one of the, the Carlton mids. And I think, um, I think you're right in saying that maybe in two months' time, we will, or not even two months' time, but like two more, three, you know, two, three weeks, we'll have the data to say, you know, that's the right decision it was at that point to trade him out. We made the right decision. Or he was also fine as a hold and he's now averaging 105 and um, McVeigh likes likes him as a midfielder. So um, I think it's firstly too early to kind of make a judgment based on who he played and who was missing, but also having regret on that kind of thing, just, yeah. Uh, getting angry over that stuff and cop and DMs and stuff is is not fun. It's like I, I I still stand by like the decisions that we made, and I traded him
1: out last week too. I traded him out the week before to Dawson, so I missed the thirty seven and got a one hundred seven one thirty. So I'm a very happy customer. <laughs> Can I shout you a question I've just thought about? Please.
0: Uh, just linked into this forward line discussion um, how much can be said for team specific risk in terms of the amount of doggies we might have in our, in our team like um, obviously we've got McRae, we could have Baz, Dunkley, English, Bont and a lot of people who are upgrading in the forward line say three weeks ago also grab Libba. Um, you've, you've got line specific risk up forward with all those doggies but you've also got team specific risk uh, potentially across multiple lines in your team. Is, is there anything to be said for
1: that or the, the doggies are just going to keep scoring well? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question now because I think you get to a stage where you say, yeah, five premiums from one team is absurd, and you keep hearing, well, look, it's based on averages anyway, so it doesn't really matter as long as they all average well. It doesn't really matter they're from the same team. And then you get six premiums, and then you're looking at seven premiums, and you're like, where does this madness end? I'm going to end up yeah. with nine or ten players from the same team, and how will that impact my scores for the rest of the season I think it does increase your risk profile just naturally having so many players in the same game and that's because your super coach pie is still limited to 3,300 points so you can only get a you know specific amount of points per game and if they get thumped and they lose and they lose the split on the pie and they only end up with you know 1,400 super coach points if, if you have 10 players of that team you're going to get less of the super coach pie and they're going to score badly but that just increases the variance of your scores from a week to week basis not so much your overall points so if you're playing for league wins or a cash league getting more of these bulldogs players does increase the risk profile of your side quite significantly because it takes a bad game from the bulldogs and you just lose your league game and if you're in cash leagues or whatever it is that could be you know, very important to you. So I would be considering that when thinking about trading in players um, if that's important to you. However, for overall, it still does increase your risk profile of your side because, again, you know, Bulldogs might turn to, you know, crap and lose the next 10 games and you get terrible splits of the pie and that's of course, could happen. Um, but I don't think, you know, s- splitting on the Bulldogs team, there's 22 players and, there's not that many good super coach scorers it's kind of like the bottom five or six or seven are like really bad scorers that's why when we have the rookies from bulldogs we end up with Karmas who can put out a 12 because we're getting bons and Pellies and baz and english going 120 plus we're, we're going to get a 12 from a bulldogs rookie when we have Macoom. you know he's going to score 70 this week and if all of our bulldogs players go massive it's possible McComb just gets left with 30 points um so that, that's kind of how they all impact each other and it's not its not great for yeah, league games and I, I'd say overall it doesn't really matter so much. It just increases the risk of your side but it's not a factor that I'm worried about when I'm playing fully for overall. It might impact my chances of winning the weekly um, but then again, if Bulldogs, let's say, against someone like West Coast, which they play this week, if they get like 2,000 points of the pie and they all do well, then you know, you're laughing. So yeah, uh, it kind of works both ways in that, you know, volatility, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah. Let let me throw another layer
0: to you just to kind of um, something you may not have thought of. The Bulldogs play a lot under the roof at at Marvel Stadium. So um, they they play six – they've got 12 games left in the year. They play six under the roof at Marvel and they've got six games away from home, no more at the MCG, um, that potentially – uh, it could be weather affected but if you compare that to to um, someone like Sydney for example if you were going team specific risk like that they're going play they're generally going to play a larger portion of games out in the weather so they might the, the bulldogs have got like a maybe an extra game or two in terms of weather risk not really impacting their chance of just having their pie kind of decimated in a slog fest as well so um, the bulldogs have a, sort of like a unique, uh, positivity in the, in the risk that you're getting from from getting a, a bunch of these guys as well. I just thought that was important. Yeah, no, it's true. Pistol.
1: You get more stability when you don't have to rely on weather. So exactly. that's a good point. Yep. Uh, mate, we're going to jump into some rookie talk now
0: because things are starting to dry up. It's like lake air in the dry season. Mate, we've got the clear, uh, I want to say, another Bulldogs defender rookie in Cleary. Uh, 75 last week, $117,300, um, looking like a really good option for those looking for someone as a downgrade, particularly um, uh, you know the, those with the likes of McCartan, DeConning, things like that in the back line that are trying to get some cash to upgrade.
1: So firstly, eye test wise, Uh-oh. which is always important Uh-oh. for rookies, Cleary, <laughs> Cleary looks fantastic. He is so composed. He clearly does. He, he clearly does. He, he <laughs> is so composed uh, with the footy, and that, that's good for Supercoach because, you know, effective kicks are worth something. So um, passes the eye test. Roll is good as well. Um, price, great. Buy situation, not so good given we're bringing in so many round 13 buy plays at the moment. So if that's something that you care about, you have to be really careful. Um, yeah. You know, Job security uh, DeRay is knocking on the door He's fit and healthy now And he is kind of I'd say the next direct replacement um, So I think it would be very harsh To drop Cleary After such great performances And Bevo has given rookies a shot When they're performing well So I think it's every chance That he holds for as long as he looks good And he looks like he could be a good young talent um, So for me He's clearly <laughs> Number one rookie downgrade <laughs> option, like it's not anywhere close. I mean, the other options are worth just saying in a sentence, but not strongly worth discussing. Chiso, Joel Jeffries, mm-hmm. I, I, five. Look, and scored ninety five. He scored ninety five. is like one hundred twenty seven k forward. He scored negative one last season in a game. He pl- played seven. i I'm getting flashbacks to Tommy Walsh. <laughs> he played. 70% time on ground. Um, yeah, negative one super coach. He had a 22. Um, he had, you know, a 30. He, he's a guy that obviously can kick five goals on any given day. I think it's much more likely he ends up with a sub-10 score than him, you know, going that large again. Um, that's what you get when you pick these sort of roses. You get an 18, a Durden. You get, you know, 14, Rioli. You get a 7. It's in that same sort of mold, and he's got around 13 by... And you've got Jesse Motlop, which is like almost an identical situation as well. And then Sam Butler, another forward and another forward pocket that's also got really really low floor. Um, it's basically pick your poison at this stage. I mean, if you're desperate for a forward downgrade, I, I mean, just have one that you particularly. I think Motlop looks pretty solid. Um, and Jesse Motlop might be the guy to get if you're desperate for a foot forward downgrade, but jeez, I wouldn't be advocating getting in any of those guys. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm, I'm certainly um, in the same boat. Did you mention uh, Cooper Stevens from July? Um, I'd
1: love to get Cooper Stevens. The problem is he was a late in and doesn't yeah, seem to have yeah. any job security. They just drop him no matter what happens. Um, and that's pretty sad for me. Jeez, though, I would have liked to have. You know, had him as a consistent scoring player over the buys rounds. Um, can I throw a, a funny one at you? Yes, a player who has been the sub four times in a row, causing their price to absolutely drop. They've scored in their four sub games 10, 24, 5, and 18, being subbed on every time, which is quite amazing. Um, they they are Jake Arts, who is obviously not best 22 for Richmond. However, he's 179K, which is not – It's he's a forward mid. He's got DPP. He's 179K with a break-even of 83. It takes him to be a sub once or twice more, and he is back down to basement rookie price. It's not a bad option if you have Rioli as well to kind of tether them to the side. I mean, it is a bad option. Let, let, let's not pretend it's not a bad option. No, it's a bad It's a horrible option. I think it's more hilarious <laughs> that he's fallen all the way back down to, like, basement rookie price almost. I think that's just hilarious. Um, but, you know, if there's a bad injury in the Richmond side and he comes in for a game, I think... Uh, It's something that's hilarious. I don't know if it's worth considering, but it's funny. (laughs) Oh, okay. You just wanted to bring it up. Yeah, I really just wanted to bring it up because it's a funny story of someone (laughs) dropping so much in price that they're now back down to rookie price. I mean, it was funny when Aiden Boner from North Melbourne got to like 180K, um, but Arts had to get to 179K. So that's an even better story.
0: Okay, just to recap, Pistol, you've got Cleary number one and then everyone else is just basically a floating donut. Bad. it's bad it's a bad situation they're all bad i think and it doesn't look better for the coming weeks either
1: no we've got where um from gws who might play in you know he'll be on the bubble after his buy so i I guess i could downgrade to him if he's named in round 13 um but otherwise next week it's going to look like a likely hold trades for most people scenario because there's just not going to be the downgrade options available and it's not really worth yep. going early on anyone, and I think we might even lose some rookies um, with some poor performances from, uh, yeah, Buku Kamis, I think, might not survive this week. So uh, everyone plan for your buys.
0: <laughs> yeah, book them, Dan. Uh, all right, mate. Uh, now, JB and I did our rankings a few weeks ago, and uh, mine were clearly better than JB's. Um, but I I want to hear from you. I know you've done some rankings in the past for one or two lines, but I want to go through... Your defense, your midfield, your ruck, and your forward. Um, although I, th- I don't think we did ruck, so ignore rucks. No, um, let's do rucks. All right, let's do rucks. You You're right, looking for it. a ruck, so you, you, need, you need. to I know. am looking for a ruck. Go for it, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'd like to. I'd like to let you take the floor and just kind of talk about your uh, your. You just do, you know your top eight in defense and
1: forward, and then your top ten in the midfield, and then whatever you want in your rucks. I think I'm going to start with rucks. I think that's a fun way to start this because it's not gone as the number one ruck option. Um, I think. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I, I think wits now, it's ridiculous to be averaging 120 plus after no preseason and an ACL. Uh, it's yeah. out of this world good. I think we've seen enough by this stage to be like, yeah, damn, that guy is the number one ruck. I think that's completely fair and I don't think many people would have a leg to to argue that with number two slot could go either way I said Gorn's had a couple of you know three poor games in a row proofs hasn't gone under the ton mark and English was averaging 120 plus um, before his injury I think at this stage any one of them is fine Um, and you know two of them is a likely scenario Uh, if you don't have one of them and you're deciding between like Gorn and English, it's kind of tempting to get English as a forward and then Gorn as the ruck, um, so you can squeeze both of them in. I think that's probably the play. I'd probably still take Gorn over Proust because of the upside of Gorn is much higher than Proust, but honestly, Cheezo, oh, that's <laughs> that's that's a, that's a that's how well Proust is going at the moment, that it's a tough call. Um, he's nearly out-averaging him now on the season average, 112 to 110, so... Yeah, That's pretty crazy there I still didn't feel like I gave much clarity I'm going to jump back into the back line Um, This is a Very tough line to do There's probably like nine really Solid options I think I've got in my mind Um, Number one I'm going to go with George Hewitt Purely because he's got a floor of 111 which Is outrageously good Um, That's not (laughs) anything I've seen before from a defender ever in the history of Supercoach, so uh, it's hard to put him past anything past D1 um, <laughs> unfortunately for me who doesn't own him, even though a large percentage of the competition does, Sicily has yeah. so many ways to score points at the moment, he's stepped up leadership wise, he's you know the man that the Hawks need in the big moments, the Haw- Hawks are more competitive than I probably gave credit for at the beginning of the season he's looking like you know, a easy one ten plus defender for this season. Uh, unfortunately, he's so expensive, but I think it's pretty safe now to say that he's going to be in the top three defenders for the season. He's averaging premium midfielder numbers, so D two slot. I think we're going to go with Sicily. I might run through some of the next ones a bit faster. I think uh, Stewart is sitting pretty, pretty at D three. Um, yeah, it gets a bit tricky now, but I still believe in Doherty's upside. Um, and ceiling to point him at D4, short at D5 with that 109 average and he looks you know pretty safe it gets interesting at D6 because there's quite a few that could fill this slot um, I mean Crisp hasn't t- he's only had a sub-ton since, you know, one since round two um, same as Jack Sinclair so it's hard to pick one between them both Um I'm going to go Chris cuz I'm a with Swerdon and I'm biased, cheeseo. So <laughs> biased. Yeah, I'm going to we're going to go with Crisp at the at d 6 Sinclair will just say D7. Um, I think witherden is probably D8. I still think witherden can go you know 107 plus. I just not sure on the 110 plus potential. It's it's hard because it's hard not to take recency bias and he just got a 66, but I think teams will figure out that not that they have to Actually, tag with him, but if you just put any sort of medium pressure on him and don't let him kick, he can't really do much else outside of that. So, I think he'll he'll have really high games and he'll have really low games and will kind of average out to like just under 110. I think all these other guys are you know averaging in that vicinity as well. Um, so he's probably there, and Dawson really close behind. Um, hey, I've been very happy with boy. getting him the last two weeks, and Zorko right after that. Um, yeah. I just don't think he's on the same. Oh, yeah. Forgot about it. okay. He's good. He's a little bit more injury risk than the other people. It's pretty hard to argue against any of those guys. I think they're all just really good. So if you have a combination six of those, I think you're going to be happy no matter which combination of yeah. the six that you have. I'm not going to right. bother ranking anyone outside of that. Jeez. I still- any arguments there, or, I mean, Yes. Where's your boy? Um, Hall. Where is not Make the list because he's not. <laughs> I didn't have to playing. say his name. If Hall had, was named, uh, D one. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, no bias uh, as well. I've, no,
0: I'm I really, I'm really, really happy with that. And I think when JB and I did it, Isaac Cumming was on tear. We were getting, oh, Cumming breakout and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think we seem seeing him return to his mean, which is just slightly out of that
1: that kind of top tier guys that we want to be getting into. We've never team. had defenders score. Like last season I was like, oh my God, we have six defenders, you know, that could average 105. Like that's astronomically high. And this season I'm looking at my team and it's better. Like I've got a bunch going 110 plus and all the others. Like my my actual, my lowest scoring defender right now is Crisp at 105.5, which is yeah. out of this world. So yeah. Yeah, that's completely bonkers. Um, I'll jump into the midfield. I think that's where there's been some significant changes the last couple of weeks. I think Neil is still clearly the number one midfielder in the game. I think Clary number two. I think not. Not many people are going to argue the, the Neil Clary combination. Um, mm-hmm. This one, this one, third spot, I'm actually going to give it to Mills over McRae. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that might be a big call, but Mill's ceiling this season, I mean every season is just even if he puts out a hundred flat in some games, he's going to put out like a one eighty more than once mm. in a season, which is just fantastic and you know good VC shout. Whereas McRae, um, he just has such heavily split midfield time at the moment, whereas I, I don't, I don't feel super confident in him being able to get to the same ceiling. So that's kind of how. I'll how I'll order them. Um, Laird, right after that at M5. I think I'll be putting in Miller still. I know uh, that 59 doesn't look great, but outside of that 59, he's had a really solid season. So he goes to the 6. Um, I think I'll do Cripps, again, trying not to get sucked into recency bias with that M7. He's not looked particularly great in the last two weeks, but I do think that he'll bounce back. Parish right at M8. Um, yes, too low. He's been he's too only low. Had two Terrain. scores under 100, and and 99. He could be better than than Crips, and I wouldn't judge. <laughs> he's just that good at the moment. So, you know what? Can you really say though? I think though the midfield is. I I, I don't think many people would argue too much with that. There's probably a case to put in Petrarca and Walsh. But outside of that, I think they're like that's the clear tier. Brayshaw is kind of on the borderline of the tier, and then everyone else is yeah. like a tier under. He's been slow recently though. Yeah, he has. Uh, I just think he's not quite there. But definitely Petrarca and I mean Petrarca and Walsh could outscore Crips from now on for the rest of the season for sure. Like that definitely yeah. could happen. Yeah. So Um I feel comfortable with that. And the forward line, well, Cheeso, the forward line is all over the place. I'm going to include the Bulldogs players because they're definitely yeah, going to get it. Um, I'm going to say number one. I mean, a fully fit Tim English, where he's averaging 120. That's probably your number, number two
0: trade in from the doggies. Is number one.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I just don't know if he's going to get back to that level. I feel like number one should be um, averaging 112 currently, and I feel like that's only. That's his flaw. Yeah, Yeah, I I feel like he's he's, getting better. Yeah, yeah. Dunkley's fifty-three percent forward last week. Dunkley's forward midfield split has, as I pointed out last week in the podcast, fallen off a cliff since Liber returned into the midfield. So, whilst he's still scoring well, I just don't think he's going. You know, that one fifteen plus. I think he's going to be more in that you know one hundred seven to one hundred ten range for the rest of the season. So I probably have Dunkley at number. Oh, actually, will Baz beat him? Jeez, it's tough. I think I'm going to go Bont... So we'll go English, and Pelly. Um English, that's not fit. So <laughs> English fit, Bontempelli, English, not fit. Um, Baz, Dunkley, that's five. Parker is six. Um, and then... That's six. <laughs> Brody? Yeah, Brody and Heaney and Libba and... I'm not going to put Butters right there or Canelio. I don't think they're quite in that same level. I don't think Heaney's in that category anymore. I think it's really just... Um, he never was. I've been pr- I've been preaching this for 10 weeks. Brody as a in full inside mid is on par with Liberatore as like yes. that F7s. So I think the F6 is quite clear. I think those F7, F8 will go to Brody and, and Liber and then you've got Heaney. And, I, and then I think it's a teardrop after Heaney. I think it's then you get the Butters and... Canelios and everyone else kind yeah. of teardrop because you're crying if if you've got those. <laughs> yeah. Uh No, we've been asked to rank and update the rankings, so I know whoa, it's a whoa, bit whoa, boring. Whoa, 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 whoa.
0: Let, let Let's just do a call back to to let everyone know that JB put Dylan Moore in his top eight.
1: Did he? Yeah. I can't. I can't remember. <laughs> that is. That's look. Sorry, Pistole, I just, I, that I, Everyone likes out. to put a sneaky pick in their their rankings for a bit of fun. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to slam him too hard about that one. <laughs> Unless he put Our Butters there, which I don't think he did. <laughs> no, he put Butters F1. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that sounds sounds good. But at that stage, we didn't know Bontempi and. Pelly and everyone would get the status. So it's fair enough, Jesus. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I see a lot of bail. I, I'm feeling conspiracy between you two. You're a bit too chummy, a bit too chummy, you, you rivalry league him. enemies. <laughs> and mate, that pretty much wraps up the, uh, the content of the podcast. Thank you so much uh, for, for sitting down and chatting. I hope everyone is enjoying sort of like the style switch that we've done in 2022. We've sort of, rather than going through game by game, just (laughs) shouting off numbers. We really are trying to break it down and find the insights that we can. And it's been really, really helpful... Uh, for everyone but me this year, Pistol. So, <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down with me, mate. Uh, guys, if you do want to follow us on Twitter, you can find the main page at, at Dr. SC. You can find me at Chizo underscore DRSC, Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC, and JB at JB underscore DRSC. Leave us a review on iTunes and any of the rating uh, on the podcast streaming services that you do have, you can now leave them on Spotify, I do believe. So, give us a shout-out. Don't do it if you don't like us. That would be detrimental, but... <laughs> Thanks for the feedback, guys. We'll see you in the next episode.
2: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?